Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a special edition of the Willie's World podcast. Today we dive deep into the world of rugby league and beyond. I'm your host, Willie, and today we have a true Queensland state of origin star in our midst. He's not just a force on the field, but an all-round incredible athlete and personality, and an interesting human to boot. Joining us today is none other than the Rabbitohs powerhouse himself, Jai Arrow. We'll be diving into Jai's journey from the grassroots to the elite level, discussing the highs and lows, the challenges faced, and the triumphs celebrated. Starting his career playing for the infamous Brisbane Broncos, and then moving on to become a hometown hero for the Gold Coast Titans, Jai then made his way to the big smoke of Sydney, signing to one of the most prestigious football clubs in the NRL, the mighty South Sydney Rabbitohs. So grab your favourite drink, roll a spliff, settle down, and get ready for an inside look into the life and career of one of Queensland's finest. Without much ado, let's jump into the conversation with the man of the hour, Mr. Ja Arrow. Willie's World! Willie's World! Party town! Excellent! Three, two, one, go. Yo, Willie's World Podcast, episode 24. Um, Today we're we're talking to a friend, friend of a, a friend and a, now become a good friend of mine, Mr. Jai Arrow. Hello, Jai. How's your day going, bro? Haven't seen you in a yeah. minute. The last yeah, time I saw you, good. I think, was what you were dressed up as that uh, basketball character on Halloween. What was his name? Yes, that'd be uh, Jackie Moon. Jackie Moon. At the Moon. Halloween party. Oh, That's right. Feral. <laughs> that was a, that was a funny night wasn't it i, I had a lot it of fun was. actually it was it very very much was willie um so you're back training jai how's that going you've had a little bit of a break you went to the states i think how was your trip to america and you'd break away from footy for a little while yeah it was good it's obviously um yeah very um i suppose it, it's good for the mind the body to mentally check out and go and go and do things that we we don't usually do, and that's um, obviously went to the states, bro, which was mad. Um, went to Vegas for a wedding, into um, LA for a little bit of a recovery day, into Austin, Texas, to the F1. So, oh, you went to the yeah, F1? Was, oh, that's awesome. How was that? Was that pretty epic? Yeah, it was unreal, bro. It was um, I didn't one know of the best. That that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, one of the one of the best experiences I've had. Um, yeah, so a lot of people from California have, have exiled to to Texas and they're all living in Austin, so. Yeah, there you go. Well, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. You know more than me than what go, goes on in the States. Well, because um, well, yeah, California's falling apart, as you saw. LA's a fucking war zone, man. There's homeless people oh, everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's crook, yeah. Hey. It's actually, it's crook. I remember one bloke walking down the Santa Monica Pier, bro. He just started barking like a dog and was like, like going off chops, bro. Going off chops. And I was like, I was like, where the hell am I? What is this place? I've got to send you this video um, that my friend filmed of this guy who's like an ev- evangelical, like black, um, like preacher. And he's on the side of the road in like, like a ghetto part of LA and he's screaming at the top of his lungs, like, I barely in Jesus' name, like full on, like but jumping like off a like off a proper like actual um what do they call them the um soapbox like a proper actual soapbox like he's screaming and right. like yeah America is a different, place. different 
different world over there to what we're so used to, the normality in Australia. Over there, mate, it is an absolute different world. Yeah, life's a bit life's a bit um a, li- a little bit more cheap. <laughs> what are you mugging on? I just had a little bit of an orange. I got there I got go. done. I, I had it once in LA. I we bought it. I was with my homie. Um it was just after I was just telling you a story about when I got arrested in Utah. And we stayed, um, I we booked a hotel on hotels.com in the middle, like I think it was in like West Hollywood. Anyways, the toilet didn't work and it was fucking full of shit. And then I went into the bar, into the the hotel lobby to like wasn't even a lobby, it was way more ghetto than it looked like on the website. And then we get there yeah. and I get and I walk inside and I'm like telling the dude, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, what what am I meant to do? And he's like, he pulled out a fucking gun and told me to fuck off. <laughs> What'd you do? What did you do? All right, sweet. See you later. Yeah, no, that's so that's one thing. That's one thing going to the states. I'm a bit wary about is majority. I oh, wouldn't say majority, but there's some people that are packing, so you can't really mess with, can't really fuck with people over there. You got to be smart about it. That's one thing I learned, and one thing that I was very wary of, especially in Texas. Yeah, yeah, I think Austin's pretty safe though. But I've never been to—I've never actually been to Texas, to be honest. So, um, I've been to California, you know, many, many, many times. Um, so what? What? How was your F one experience? Let's tell us about that. Yeah, wow. It was honestly, I'll never go back. The experience I had was one of the best experiences in my life. Um, sort of met these these guys through a mate who um who had his own racing team. His name's Rafa, Rafa Racing. Um, and he sort of uh, gave it, gave me the best experience. Uh, me and my mate gave us both the best experience and can't thank him enough, bro. It was, um, you know, we were down on turn two or turn one, one of them where the cars come down in the, um, you know, finish line and we're in this cabana, free piss, free food. And then um, it went out after and went and saw the chain smokers, man. So it was a pretty surreal um, moment. And fuck, I loved it, eh, bro. It was it was just so good, and especially being my time off, and you know, I could party, I could do what I wanted, I could have fun. So I, I really, I was living the dream over there. And you went to a basketball game, did you? An NBA game? Yeah, that I did. I went to uh, Clippers versus Denver. Um, Denver had their big dogs playing because it was preseason at the time. Denver had their big dogs playing, Jokic and um, Joker and um, what's his name, Jamal Murray. And then yeah. Clippers didn't really have their big dogs playing at all. There was Westbrook, who's obviously not there anymore. Oh, no, he is there, sorry. Westbrook, Kawhi and um, Paul George were sitting on the bench, but still got to see him, which was mad. Yeah, next mad time you go... Fan. Next time you go, and if we're in the states at the same time, I'll take you to ice hockey game. It's yeah, I'm actually awesome. keen. Yeah, it's keen really sick. It's fucking awesome, man. It's awesome. <clears throat> um, I I would never. I used to play roller hockey when I was a kid for a little while, but yeah. when um when I moved, we moved to this really ghetto place in Canada called Fernie, which is like a ski town in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, it's in eastern British Columbia, like in the um the Lizard Range. And yeah. I moved there in 2001 and my parents bought this hell amazing fucking cat like cabin on the, on the mountain. And then they rented that out and we lived in the most ghetto shitty trailer park in the whole town. This is when I was like 14 or 15. Right. And they used to where, have this fucking 
Inferni. It's like it's right near the American border, right kind of just east of Cal- west of Calgary. About three and a half, four hours. Like it's in the middle of fucking nowhere. They used to make yeah. this movie. They used to make this famous TV show from um like a long, long time ago called Northern Exposure there in this in this one horse town. But anyways, they used to have this fucking ice hockey team there called the um the Ghost Riders, right? And they were the only Canadian team in the fucking Intermountain American League. So so they fucking the American the Canadians hate the Americans, right? And anyways, yeah. in this tiny little town, there was a shitload of Aussies, right? So all the American teams had come up and they'd fucking, they'd fight like motherfucker, right? And anyways, there's all these Aussies in the crowd. And this is like 2001, 2002, right? I was like young, young. And um, yeah. the, all the Aussies would scream out, Great Falls takes it up the ass, dude, dude. And like, um, that shit doesn't happen in Canada. Like, it's just like, there was... Very very funny. Ice hockey is so ruthless. Hilarious. I like it's gnarly. The, the, and they they fucking get it on, and then they just go back to the. It's so just so normal to like to have a fucking a biff with someone. But I love when they just go bang with the gloves, helmet off, this and they're into it. Like, <laughs> ah, and they learn how to get Matt. Like you think that you couldn't connect much with the ice skates on, but like they know how to hold an edge, and like you'd almost you'd be surprised. It's fucking pretty cool, eh? I dig, I dig yeah. ice hockey. So, anyways, <laughs> let's um, let's dive back a little bit back in time and um, tell me, you grew up on the central coast, is that correct? Like around your minor and stuff, is that right? No, no, I'm a Gold Coast boy. Okay, okay. Oh, you played on? Did you play on the central coast? Did you when you were a kid for a no. while? No, no, okay. no. So my, I've got them. I've my yeah, old man, my, my, no, my dad and sister and my nephew live up there. Um. And but yeah, I'm a Gold Coast boy. Um, grew up there, high school, and then eventually moving out. As soon as I finished high school, a week later, I was on my way to Prizzy as a 17 year old to, I suppose, go and pursue my dreams. And yeah, it all sort of kicked off from there. So, so did, who did you play for when you were coming up in juniors? And did you go to PBC or what? No, what's... so I went to uh, Kibra, Kibra Park, which is. Palm Beaches, I guess, uh, rival. Uh, played for Burley Bears. That was my junior club. And then, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, growing up, played and, for both those two and teams. And did the Burley Bears have a pretty good feeder program when you were a kid, if, like, for elite got people? Or was it just reasonable? Like, was it... Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Thinking back, um, you know, it's sort of... I would say when I signed my first little contracts and that with Brisbane... It was more because of school, um, school footy. Yeah. Oh, so, you, you, so you stood out. So you played school footy a lot. And then so so you were getting better coaching and shit in, in the school footy program, were you, than you were for the outside team that you played for? Yeah, absolutely. I think like in representative school footy, where they had like Queensland schoolboys, et cetera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's when sort of um, scouts, I guess you could call them, would go to carnivals and – pick you up there and if they wanted Jay, they'd sort of sit you down, have a meeting with your family slash manager and um, yeah, it sort of went from there, bro. So it's, it was, looking back now, it was a pretty big process and, and things like that, but um, yeah, it's, it's a long, grateful. it's a long, it's a long road. To, it's a long road to do what you want to do. Well, absolutely. Um, and now I'm living out my dreams, so I can't complain. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, that's pretty cool to like to do what you wanted to do, you know? Because not many people get to do that. And you get to like, you get a little of notoriety that's good, but it's like manageable. And like, um, you can still be incognito too. Do you know what I mean? So it's like a good, yeah. It's pretty, um, it's obviously also the sport that you do is obviously one, um, kind of only played in one country. I guess it's played in a few countries, but predominantly in Australia, right? And New Zealand. Yeah, Australia, New Zealand, England, I suppose. And and you um, how long you signed for the? You recently re-signed, I think, for the for the Rabbitohs. Yep, yep. Uh, end of two thousand and twenty-seven. Pretty. I'm obviously happy with where I'm at, and yeah, this, yeah totally. Uh, me being a Gold Coast boy, when. Uh, I was going through negotiations with the Gold Coast and and bunnies and and what whatnot. Never saw myself leaving home, but slash the Gold Coast and the opportunity arose, mate. And I come down here and now I really feel like I've found a home, a new home. And yeah, just obviously recent recently re-signed to the end of twenty seven. So I, I guess I'm I can say now that I'm staying home. I'm home now, and I can finally, I suppose, hopefully that'll get me to thirty two. God knows how long I have after that. Maybe a couple more years at the club, and then um, throw the boots around a power line and hang them up. Um, so tell us, you you signed for the Brisbane Broncos feeder team when you were a kid. Is that what? So that was through mostly through school sports, eh? And so obviously you played Queensland. Did you play for Australia when you were a kid too? Uh, yeah, Australian schoolboys in 2012. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was lucky enough. It was. Looking back now to when I was a kid, it, it's so it's quite daunting when you start to get to that age where um, you start to get noticed and things like that. And then uh, as soon as you get old, it's like, am I going to play? Am I going to be able to make it kind of thing? And then um, I'd been in the Bronco system since I was 12 years old as a little kid. So your parents um, did a lot of driving, eh? Well, yes. But when I got older, I was on the train bro, from school to Brizzy. <laughs> Every so day. I was every day. Not every day. Not every day. It was once a month, I think it was, from when I was 15 up until I moved up there. Okay. That's I was um yeah, so it wasn't too bad. But still a bit of a trek to go to North Brisbane and have to hop on the train and then have to travel all the way to back to Rabina and um you know catch the bus to Palm Beach where we were living, Burley. Um, so how long have you been in Sydney now? Like four years, is it? Something like that, three or four years? Yeah, so when I get down, end of 2020. Um, is it like three? But yeah. Come we on. got shafted. We got shafted back to the Gold Coast for six months because of COVID. So we're in like a bubble setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember. Don't worry, I remember. I was jumping so over was the border different. every day. I had a car <laughs> on each side of the border. That's how you know I, what? I don't doubt that one bit. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. My mum was doing it too, but like the fucking that was all so ridiculous. That was fucking retarded. But anyways, I don't want to go down that fucking road right now. So tell me, so you played for when you were when you were coming up, and because I'm just curious about like the levels, right? So you play in Australian schoolboys, and then you go to Worlds. Did you feel like there was like did you come across any better players than you'd expected? Like when you leveled up onto that international level, that opened your eyes about kind of how good you could get at what you wanted to do. Do you know what I mean? Like as you'd rise up, yeah. did you see like the level up of how, cause you're, you're obviously very talented and you work hard, but there's like dudes that are like at the top tier of what you do. And each class yeah. there's like, you're more now it's Australia. Then it's like, do you, do you get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, I still think, like at the moment, I still think that there's always going to be someone bigger, better than you are. And when I made that team, we had a three-game test match against England. So we were 17 at the time, or 17. Some were turning 18. And we played the England academy side, so the England side. They were under 19, so they were a couple of years older. And you could tell, I suppose, physically how much bigger they were, um, stronger. Even, don't get me wrong, we smoked them in both games. Um, we absolutely flogged them. But you could just tell they were like men. They all had beards. And, but I don't think I had a pub at that stage at 17. So, How tall are you? Up, si- are you 6'2"? Yeah, 6'1". Six 6'1". One, six one, yeah, six yeah, you're about Ish. the same height as me, I remember, because we're in the red. Um and um, oh, okay. So did so so what did how did you feel about like obviously you guys smoked them because you're faster and better players, but like getting hit by that bigger dude, did that like 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 did you have like a like a, a uh, like a coming of age tackle or something where you're like fuck this is what I got to get used to? Does that right, make so sense? In, yeah, in both games actually there was there would have been three all in massive all in brawls. Really? Um, I wasn't. I was involved in one, but didn't get to throw a punch. Me and this bloke sort of shaped up, and I was absolutely shitting myself. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> but I, I had my fists up, going, "I, I, re- I actually don't know how to fight. I've never thrown a punch at someone, so I don't know what I'm going to do here." But they were actually the, bro, I'm not even kidding. The, the fights were that bad that they had to um, take them off the off the tape because the fights were that brutal and that like. It, it, honestly, one of them. One of them, I'm not even kidding. Every there was everyone was scattered around the field, and it was just everyone was all in, like it was it like was a full-on barroom brawl. That's it was. Weird. It was hectic. And um, so so did you always want to be a footy player, like when you were a kid, or did you do other sports as well that you kind of were into? Obviously, you're really good at footy, but did you do anything else when you were a kid that you're into? Oh, I did nippers, but that wasn't something I was passionate about. It was more, I went there to do it with my mates and um, have fun kind of thing. I always wanted to be a footy player. It's something that growing up, I loved as a kid. I still am. I still do, sorry. And um, I'm passionate about it. And um, it's something I always wanted to do. And I always look back to when I was a kid now, and it's something that I don't take for granted. It's something that... Um, you know, I'm living out my dream and I've always wanted to. Yeah, well, to not do many this, people so. do get to live their dream, which is, you know, but you've worked fucking hard. You got to like every time you get to a new spot, you got to then you're like, fuck, now I got to do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again, right? And right, absolutely. And, and it's daunting to do it every single time. Like that's, and it's a process. And there's probably been moments where you're like, fuck, I, you know, like, I, I, am I going to make it? Like, did I, you know what I mean? Like, but 100% there is. And there's, you don't doubt yourself, but there's that doubt in the back of your mind whether you're like, fuck, am I going to make it or not? I think a big thing for me was I did a plumbing apprenticeship um, straight yeah. out of high school. And okay. I, remember, I remember it vividly a day where I was digging myself. I was It was child slavery and I was digging holes all day. And I just went, fuck this. This is not for me. I'm going to throw all my eggs into one basket and that's to play footy. And it all sort of fell into my lap at one stage. That's, um, so thanks. that's funny. Praise my, the Lord. My friend, you know who Robbie Madison is, the motocross guy? 
Oh yes, of, he, of yeah, he's of, one of my of, good homies, and his dad is a bit of a is a bit of an, a hard ass. And when he was a kid, when he was racing motocross, he made him do an electrical electrical engineering apprenticeship, but and made him like basically not quit riding, but he kind of quit riding motocross. And so he had that, and then he worked, and then saved all this money, bought a house, and then put himself on and went to America and like blew up. But like his dad yeah. like made him go through that. And he told me that he had moments like that. He was like, fuck this. I think he did it at the, um, you know, the coal, is it the, is it coal in Wollongong? It is that coal. Is that a coal plant? I don't know. I got no idea. You'd know more than me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, so that, that day when you were digging, digging ditches just made you go, fuck this. I'm going to, I'm going to go harder than ever. Oh, hundred percent. And it makes you appreciate like, fuck makes you yeah, appreciate what you do now. And, that's why I've always said, mate, I really like appreciate what I do. I'm living out my dream because I've been there. I've dug the holes. I've had to play with shit. I've had to do the dirty shit. So do you think that your dad, did your parents of. make you do that? Do No, no, no. So it was uh, at the time playing in the under 20s, um, it was a no work, no play rule or no work or study, sorry. And I genuinely thought to myself, "There's no way I'm going back to I'm I'm going back to school in a way with uni. I know it's not like school. You hear that it's not. So I went, no, nah, I'm not going to uni. I just thought, you know what? It'd be good for me to get a trade, um, do something. How, how long did you do it for? Did you finish three it? Three years. Oh, you nah, finished it? No, nah, third year. I didn't finish it. Okay. No, that's all right. That's fucking still hard. Like, but it, but you know how to fix shit. So. Whatever, that's all good. You learned something about life. Um, well, that's what you think. <clears throat> I used to be a fucking tree lopper. That was fucking gnarly job, man. <laughs> tree lopping. Yeah, I was a groundie. Tree lopping. I was a groundie. So, but the guys that I worked with, we we were all over the northern beaches, right? And we'd do these crazy mansions in fucking um Palmy and like, like just the most fucked up places to carry heavy shit and like, and you got to throw it in the chipper. And like it's so it's fucking dangerous, man. And it's gnarly. <laughs> You're covered in shit, but it it makes you really tough. And it's fucking good training. You know what I mean? Like it trained me, got oh, me really fit for the ski season back mm. when I used to do it a lot. Um, but like fuck, it's so dangerous. But the the guys I used to work with, they were like a a fucking ninja crack team, right? And they'd all part <laughs> that. Some of them were on the gear, like they were fucking. Mad fucking cooked motherfuckers, not junkies, but mad cooked motherfuckers, right? And but when they worked, they were fucking like ninjas. Like, and then I worked for some other one, some other dude just once or twice randomly. And I was like, I'm never doing this again. Like, that it was so much more ghetto and more dangerous. Willie the tree lopper, yeah, fucking oath cunt. That was fucking gnarly. I did that for like two years, <laughs> only on and off, not like consistently, but fuck, some days we do like. We'd some some weeks we'd do like five days in a row of like cutting like fucking you know fifty foot high plus you know camp for laurel trees and like fucking shit flying and fucking covered in sawdust and it's like forty fucking degrees. That's absolute dramas. <clears throat> yeah, I've had every shitty job you could ever imagine, actually. <laughs> oh, oh, <good> <laughs> but I've had good. I've had you know I had fun too. But you know it is what it is. So tell me, did you surf or anything like that? But growing up on the Goldie. Nah, being a Gold Coast boy, that's one thing I didn't do, Willie. Really. I didn't surf. I did nippers. Uh, I did that for, oh, I reckon, for four, five, six years. Uh, but never never 
never took surfing up. I don't know why. It's something I look look at now. I look at blokes surfing in the beach down here, and I'm thinking, why didn't I do that? It, you still it looks so calm. You're, you can still learn. I'll teach you how to surf. That's easy. You can right. learn I don't surf, think, no problem. Easy. I don't think no I'm built for it. No, nah, you are. You've got enough. You see a big fucking longboard, dude. There's big, like fat Hawaiians that, like get that get barreled at pipe, and they're like sixty five, like seventy. Like you can easily do it. You've got to learn. Like it'd actually probably be really good for your balance. Actually, might even make you a better oh, player. That, that, who knows? That, do you know who Lad Hamilton is? Have you ever heard of him? You know that he's like the fucking pro surfer that's like the most fittest man on earth. He does a lot of shit with Wim Hof. He did. Oh, this, okay. He has this program where he does like weighted stuff in different depths of the pool, and you do yeah. like weighted exercises, like similarly to how, um, you know, John uh, JSP, GSP George Saint Pierre, he does a yeah. lot of his workouts under the water. Have you seen him doing that? Because it doesn't right. it doesn't fuck up his joints and shit like that, right? And so Led Hamilton does this. He's like the fuck. He's got like his own. He's got like a. He's got all these different health businesses. I think he's got a uh, sauna business. He's like, he's like what the most healthiest, fittest person on planet earth. He looks like Aradonis. His wife's like a three time uh, Hawaiian Ironman champion woman, but he's like known for like high performance, like the state of flow and all these fucking stuff. But he, he got, um he got, uh, there was a the famous basketball player. I can't remember. My, was it might've been Dwight Howard or it was someone yep. else. It was someone on that level. Right. And they got fucked up and hurt. And then they started training with, with fucking lad and came back like the next season. And from doing the jumping exercises in the pool, I'll send you the article in the depths. He gave himself like an inch and a half or more of extra jump in his leap from over yeah. the period of his injury because of this, like this kind of stuff. And another guy that you should look into that I've actually pointed Liam in the direction of is that is a guy named Paul check. And Paul Check is like, he's just the most incredible, incredible, incredible motherfucker. And he yeah. does a lot of stuff with Wim Hof as well. He's like a, I don't like, I don't even know how to describe him. Like I'd have to send you some stuff on him here, but he's like this, uh, the stories I've heard of him. He's like a next level, like wizard shaman that can just heal your body. Um, yeah. Okay. That's mad. Um, shout, so, out, shout out to our Derek mate, Liam, by the way. Yes, Liam, Liam, Liam. Liam and I did a podcast, but it was a little bit it was a little bit controversial, so I don't think they put it out. So that's all right. <laughs> Toby's a cool motherfucker though. I like Toby. They're funny little they're you funny know, little balances. I've heard I've heard about this. Thought yeah. he was like, I don't know if I can I don't know if I can release this. <laughs> <laughs> it sums you up, bro. It actually sums you up. Bro. Funny. <laughs> so like how what do you do for the wear and tear on your body like because obviously you've had have you had a lot of injuries you just got recently pulled your um calf muscle was it yeah so a bit wear and tear i'm getting old in my industry to be honest um just recently i had a great a grading of 2c um tear in my calf which is apparently long story short there's a tear in my muscle and Bit of a split in the tendon. Um, Jai, are you guys allowed to do um, stem cells or is that against the rules? No, nah, I don't think so. There's not much we can do. So I did, I got PRP the other day, which is I know uh, what take it your is. blood. Yeah, yeah, take your blood. Tell, tell, tell them. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they that... take your blood. Um, they put in this machine and spin it or whatever they say, spin it, and it turns it into the, it takes the plasma out of your blood, and then they inject it into the muscle and tendon for a. I suppose the theory behind it is for a quicker recovery. So, got that the other day, and I'm seven days actually into my rehab, and I'm looking at another five to six weeks. So if you guys, it. if you wanted to go get stem cells in Colombia, like, and they were paid for by the 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 per, like the stem cell clinic, because they've obviously did you see how Steve went there, and Danny Way, Danny Way is like the bet he's the skateboarder that jumped the Great Wall of China, and he's yeah. like he's like the spokesperson for this place in um what's it called in um Colombia, is mm-hmm. it, it is in Colombia, yeah, it is in Colombia. Um, Steve went there too. And um, whole bunch of different people. But if you got that done in the, in the in the off season, is that considered like against the rules? I I haven't looked too much into it, only because I'm not someone who's I'm pretty scared to take you know things that aren't provided to me by the club, um, yeah, you know, yeah. such as proteins, etc. Um, that's something I'll have to do my research on and actually ask the club, ask like say Asada, the NRL. Um, no, because that, that's for now, my my shit. friend, <clears throat> my friend, he's um, he's forty one. He just dropped a video part that's like one of the best video parts of the year. He's got like eighteen X Games medals. Yeah, he's hurt himself. His name's Tanner Hall. He's fucked himself up. You should watch his autobiographical movie. It's called Like a Lion. It was made by a, a business partner of mine named Eric Iberg. You'd fucking love it. It's an amazing, fucking crazy story. But he yep. he um he was doing real street, which is like a ski competition where you like you film over like a month and you got to film the best urban part. Is that you one of your dogs? Yeah, being a pest. So so he ripped his um his Achilles tendon in the back of his oh. leg, right? Doing a uh, yeah. doing a like a sliding like a a rail slide to like a closeout and then ollieing over to like a to a redirect into a wall. So the transition, like just anyways, he, they said 18 months recovery. His girlfriend works at a stem cell clinic in Las Vegas. Now they're not, yep. I don't think they're the same stem cells as the ones that they use in Colombia, because the ones that they use in Colombia, they, the why it's ethically um, debatable is because they take after the, a baby's born, you know what a placenta is? They take yep. that placenta and then they extract the stem cells out of that because it's fresh stem cells. It hasn't been, it hasn't like evolved, like evolved into whatever, it, whatever the process is. It hasn't done it. Right. Anyways, yep. um, Tanner did it. He was back skiing and I think he won a big comp like nine months after at like 37 or 38. Oh, that's a quick recovery. Like maybe ten months, like it was, but it was it was the stem cells. They fucking work. Like it's crazy what they can do. They reckon oh, I have no that doubts. potentially that I want to go get it, but it, I I'm not famous enough to get it for free. Um, but you probably would be because you'd be, you know, like you're representing like a a potential industry of people that might come and do it. But I, I wonder if it is legal or not because it's like it, it shouldn't be. But it's so fucking powerful and so effective that like it definitely it speeds up and you can come back even stronger than you can you did before. Like it rebuilds they reckon it rebuilds cartilage and everything. 
which is yeah, kind of I, crazy because I have no I'm meniscus now. I have no meniscus. <laughs> my, my knee's fine. Bone on bone. <laughs> bone no, on bone. Pretty much, eh? So, and then my fucking thigh, my fucking hammies are still fucking tight from because they did a graft, I think, the first time where they cut oh, off you some need. of your hammy and then use it as the hammy graft. So tell us, um, you've how long have you been playing for the Rabbitohs for? What, what first? Hold on, let's go back in time just so we can. Um, when you played for the Broncos, did you ever play in the NRL for the first teams? Um, when you were playing for the Broncos, or were you playing like yeah. in the minor grades? Yeah, no. So I played twenty four games at NRL with the Bronx. Um, awesome. twenty twenty sixteen I debuted and twenty seventeen. So that was my two years there, and then. 2018, 19, and 20, I was at the Gold Coast. Um, and now I'm Titans. into my yeah, and now I'm into my fourth year at the Bunnies. So year year number nine I'm going into. So what was what was the cultural differences between like the the hardcore Queensland fucking probably pretty bogan Broncos club and then going to the Titans? What was the club culture? Like how was it different? I think the difference for me was going from such a powerful club in the Broncos with you know so many well-known and um, so many well-known players and like qual like really good players like growing up I watched them. Um, they I was playing with boys who I grew up watching play for Origin, play for Australia, etc. To going to a Gold Coast side who was fairly young at the time, uh, a fairly new club, who were still trying to, I suppose, establish themselves and and things like that. But I have no regrets on on leaving the Broncos. I think the best thing was that for was my that, career was that a decision to do that. Yeah, absolutely. As a, you know, I'm someone who considers themselves a, a, a pretty loyal person, but I think for my career and what I wanted that? to do. What I wanted to do, I um, I needed to go for opportunity. Well, football's like footy, unlike skateboarding and surfing and stuff like that. Um, the like with organized sports like that you play, you have to be put on the field to be able to shine. Yeah, do you know what I mean. So, so there is exactly a, right. There are a lot of there are, you know, certain things like selections and you know blah 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 blah. You know, like politics and all that bullshit. But if obviously if yeah. you play really well, you're gonna the the cream rises to the top, right? Yeah, exactly right. And I think the players at the Broncos at the time, I just was either going to be in the team one time or, or one week, sorry, and then maybe not the other. And at the Titans, I just really felt like I could go down there and I suppose spread my wings. It's a bit of a cliche and give no, myself no, every you opportunity. You have to have the opportunity to spread your wings because like if you're too clusterfucked with more people that are going to get because they've got a, a, a track record because like the, the coaches, the coach, while the coach has an obligation to put you on the field, the coach's main agenda is to win the game. Right. So if he's Absolutely. got that starting guy that he knows that's already performed at that level um, before, they're probably going to take the risk on him before you. Right. But then yeah. how are you meant to get your experience in those clutch situations? If you're not actually in them, do you know what I mean? Exactly. So your yeah, decision exactly to move right. to the Goldie was because you wanted to open, you wanted to have, you wanted to have more clutch decisions to be able to get better at football. Yeah, and looking back now, it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, my first year down at the Gold Coast, I, you know, was lucky enough to make my Origin debut my first year at the Gold Coast, and then. Um, and how how did that how did that come about? Like, did, were you did, were you expecting it, or did it just kind of come out? Yeah. of the 
out of proper, like proper out of the blue. So there was talk of it through the media that, you know, I was a chance of selection, but I'm not someone who listens to the media and, you know, what would they know kind of thing. But once that phone call was made from um, Kevy, his name is Kevy Walters, uh, pretty surreal moment. I, it was kind of like a, it was like when I played my first game at NRL. It was a massive relief and all the hard Fuck work. Fuck yeah, because you made it. Now you got the opportunity to show the world. You got to. That's what I'm talking about. Like you had to go through all that shit to get on the the, the platform to be able to perform. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. It's the same as being exactly a movie right. star. You can't be a movie star unless you have the whole film fucking around you to film you doing what you meant, you know, pretend to be, you know, acting as, as someone else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the same. No, you're like, exactly right. It's, it's a lot different than skateboarding or surfing in that or skiing or whatever sport that you do individually. Um, because, you you know, the sports that I grew up playing and doing, it was more so about like filming video parts. And obviously we did competitions and shit like that. But, you know, it's like, it's becoming a lot more um, elitist now because they've switched over to, Anyways, blah blah. That's another conversation. So tell me, um, when you when you played for the Goldie, um, where were you living on the Gold Coast, and what was it? Was it a distraction living in a place where a lot of people are partying and doing drugs and stuff like that, or was it you just pretty focused on what you were doing and your little hanging your little island kind of thing of common friends and shit like that? Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't that hard for me because being a Gold Coast boy, uh, it was an easy transition. Because um, you lived I there think, and grown up there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I lived in Burley, Palm Beach. I lived in those two suburbs. So that they're both home for me. The partying, you know, I, I would go out and enjoy myself every now and then. It wasn't every weekend. Yeah, I went and had fun sometimes and, and whatnot. But it was an easy transition for me. Only reason being because it was my hometown. I, I grew up there. Uh, bloody, you know, it was just, it was so easy for me to transition from Brisbane back home. And not to get, I suppose, caught up in that party lifestyle where I knew I needed to do a job, um, and my my career comes first. To now, do they when when you're like when you've got roommates, right? Like how you were living with Liam, um, does does the clubs encourage that to like for you guys to live together to like to like kind of keep you in check and stuff? Or I don't know, maybe that maybe that encourages <laughs> debauchery. I don't know. <laughs> do you know what? They, they if you live with George, it probably does. <laughs> yeah, they, they they would only encourage it depending on who the people were. Liam and I at that time were in the holidays. Don't get me wrong; we enjoyed ourselves. We we loved a good time, but Liam's pretty um, focused, pretty focused on the job. Guy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So um, that that part wasn't hard. Yeah, we were having fun, but he's got a lot of he's got a lot of fire in him. So he's got a, he's got it. He's got a lot of fire in him, you know. He's got a like a he's got a deep spirit. So it's like you gotta you gotta keep the devil in the in the box. You know what I mean? Yeah, all in good spirits too. Keep focused. Yeah, yeah. Like I have it too. So it's fun. That's why I like Liam. I'm kind of a little bit similar. At certain times, <laughs> at certain times, you gotta block it away. Off season holidays are for you know doing what you want. Well, no mad. one knows what you know. Like you're you're under a lot less scrutiny when you fucking when you're outside of australia anyways because no one knows who the fuck you are and if they do exactly. they're like they're just polite about it you know what i mean but exactly. it's, here, here you have ramifications from your actions which i think that i just read a few things which i i had never googled you and i googled you and i was like oh that's pretty funny <laughs> but anyways oh, we won't go there. <laughs> it, it happens you know um so what 
is it is like as you've built up your career like you had these fucking like first off one, one question who did you grow up like emulating and that the played nrl or was like old school like heroes of yours like wally lewis or des hasler or like all these queenslanders or was it more like jeff tuvey and like cliffy lyons and like who else who, that's probably obviously a long time before, a bit before your time but not really like when you're really little yeah, no, I was lucky enough to play with one of them. So, Corey Parker, I was lucky enough to play with him. Um, he was someone who I tried to emulate my game off and I loved watching. And uh, Gordon Tallis, just with his aggression. Um, oh, yeah, he's I a love the way he played. Oh, yeah, I he's remember a scary that guy. man. He was a scary man and he was feared on the field. So, um, they're two blokes that I definitely looked up to. And he's a big white guy, isn't he? Is he a big white dude? Who, the big. Um, Gordon, yeah, Gordon Tallis. Tallis. He... Yeah, oh, yeah, thought... he's. I think he's he's indigenous, but um, he um, yeah, he's a big man. His hand swat. Remember shaking his hand for the first time. His hand literally swallowed mine. I was like, oh, this. Like, <laughs> oh, have you ever been tackled by him before? Nah, nah, nah. He's past my time, mate. He's um, so much you're, older. You're on... Well, not much older. So you're on the team with him. You were on the Broncos on the first year, were you? Yeah, with Corey, Corey Parker. And Gordon Tallis as well? No, no, no. He's he was before before yeah. me. Um, I thought so. Um, so so you transitioned to the Goldie. Um, did you guys have a good team? Did you get like did you make the top eight? Did you make finals? Like <laughs> so all three years, um, I was at the Gold Coast. We unfortunately didn't make finals. Um that that was it was obviously a pretty tough time don't get me wrong i love the club and and what they did for me and the boys the coaching staff i I love that part of it but we just weren't getting results which which is um what i wanted obviously was that again was that was everyone everyone trying pretty hard to to get the results and it just wasn't absolutely mate. if you're playing rugby league you're not there just to be on a roller coaster and you're not there for the ride you're there to win you're there to do a job and if you're playing NRL, you, you've got to be competitive. I don't care who you are or... Yeah, everybody, even the bench guys are fucking... They're old ninjas. Mate, yeah, absolutely. And it's that's in any professional sport. You 100%. have to have a, a little bit of competitiveness to be there play. So did you find that disheartening after like a few seasons of working your ass off and you don't get what you like, what you think you're going to potentially get? Did, does that Does that like... Does that taint of loser... I know that's a harsh way to say it, but like, does it, does it affect the team dynamic and does it like affect like manif- like in a manifestation way that you're probably going to set yourself up to lose because of you've just kind of almost had it beaten out of you after, over that time period. Does that make sense? Yeah, in the it was camaraderie pretty- of the team kind of thing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. There was some tough times um, at the club, you know, went through, at one stage, you know, uh, the coach got sacked and um, had to bring a new coach in and things like that. And it it, it was, you know, there was some tough times, but um, when you're at training, you're with your mates and that, you sort of try and stick together as best as possible. And your, your first thought is to try and get a win. Um, look, it, it was, it was, I remember 2019, that was probably one of the, uh, in my career, probably one of the toughest times in the fact that we just weren't getting the results. We were absolutely busting our asses at training, in the games, but we just couldn't get a result. And COVID had hit and all that crap. And I think, mate, we went, 
We went, went over <laughs> over a year without over a year without winning because the game got stopped and, and things like that. So it was like, fuck, man, I just want to get out of here and we just want a result. And eventually, once that result came in the 2020 season, um, towards the end of the year, it sort of snowballed effect, and we ended up winning like six or seven in a row. Fuck yeah! So, that must have felt good to break that fucking. Because it shows you the light, you know what I mean? You need to see that light sometimes because uh, sometimes you get disheartened and you're like, fuck, I want to give up. This is fucked and all that. Absolutely. And that um, can heavily affect you, like your motivation. And But it's hard to be – it's obviously at this level, it's it's discipline every day. But that spark that you have when you're actually enjoying what you're doing, you perform at a way higher level. A hundred percent. And there's always – after a, after a weekend when you win, you come into the training, there's a good vibe, everyone's happy. Mate, when you come in and you, you've lost on the weekend, it's just a miserable Monday. You come in, you're like, fuck, all right, we need a result this weekend because I don't want to... Say you're playing the Friday, it ruins your whole weekend. Yeah, yeah, but you've been there that many times that like... Yeah, but you still don't get... You, don't, you still get the same feelings each every yeah, time absolutely. you do it. Try it's getting it every single weekend. Try and get it every single weekend for the fucking 12 months. That's gnarly. So, so, so then you, um, you got, you broke the, the streak. And then how, how did you guys, did you guys film in the finish in the top 10 or top eight? So we finished ninth. We finished ninth that year, okay. 2020. My last year at the Titans before I, um, come down here. So that lucky you broke that streak. You kind of ended it. Then you, did your manager hook it up or did you, um, did they reach out to you to go to the bunnies and move to Sydney? So, I remember I was going through negotiations with the Titans at the time and my manager said, can, I spoke, can we talk to other clubs? And they gave me permission to do that, to sort of see where I was at in the market um, kind of thing. And then um, a big name, Sammy Burgess, retired at South and South were then looking for a middle forward. And, you know, that opportunity, opportunity arose and my manager started talking to South and Solely and um, thinking back to why I went down, came down to this club was because one, I think with a team that they had uh, was potentially going to win a comp. Um, I've said that many times. And um, and as a human being, you want to feel wanted by someone. And it just felt like South just refused to give up and I couldn't say no to them. And then I remember the day I made my decision, I just went, you know what? fuck it, I'm getting out of my comfort zone. I'm going to Sydney. I'm going to live in the big smoke. And awesome. I'm to, going to get to know it down here. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And then, and then you don't look back. And then obviously when you're around better people that are like on a higher level or on a similar level, but like they push you to, to become better. It's like if you wanted to be an NBA player, like if I had a kid, like I'd ship him to American high school at 12. If he yeah. was like, if he was an elite player here, because he's got to learn how to get his ass kicked and get, and that pushes him to get better and better and better. Like these yeah, kids absolutely. now, that, that Zion Wright kid had a pro model shoot straight out of high school. That's so gnarly. But what, what yeah. it's fucked up is, right? What it's fucked up is, is Jordan talks about this. I think it, yeah, it was Jordan. And he was talking about how he had to earn his multi-millions. But his kids now expect it. Do you know what I mean? They don't. And obviously, American right. sports, how you get paid is a lot different than what you guys get paid, unfortunately. Um, don't don't get me started on young kids these days, mate. They're so entitled. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, so you first started playing. What's it, what's it like um, playing for such a hardcore 
fan base, working class Australia. Like it really is. It's like the most Sydney team in Sydney. Yeah, it, it really is. You you drive around Sydney and all you see is South stickers on the back of cars. Um, as you said, they've got a huge fan base and um, especially where I live in Maroubra, mate, it's it's like South Territory. Um, it, it's pretty surreal how passionate um, the people are, the community, and you know, also the club too. I think what we do for the community is second to none. You know, we're always out trying to help and uh, we've got a a foundation called South Cares who do so much for the community as well, which is you know, absolutely unbelievable. And um, this that this will continue for many years, no doubt. And um, so it's definitely coming from the Gold Coast. You know, with Gold Coast, um, I suppose the fan base isn't as big or as passionate. Um, well, that's probably a bit harsh to say, not as passionate, but as big as down here. But no, it's a totally different. South is a totally different level. It's there's only a few teams that have support like that. Maybe like obviously the Broncos. Um, yeah, probably. Maybe back in the day, Manly, but not really as much now because Manly yeah. suck and the organization's fucking horrible. Um, uh, I have a homie that worked. I have a homie that worked there. Anyways, I won't. I won't talk about that. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you Don't off shoot camera. Yourself in the foot. I'll tell you off camera. Um, but but yeah. So so how so you, obviously you came into this team and then did you meet? Did you get to meet Russell and the other? What's your other boss's name back then when you first signed? Like the the owner? Does, um, whatever it is. Yeah, hold on. What's his name? Clive. No, no. So did you get to win a championship, or did you? You did. Was that just before you came? Or you did win? Didn't one? Didn't you? No, no, no. So my first year here, it was almost like the dream, the dream start to a club. Um, we had a really good year um, in twenty one. Uh, we we were in the COVID bubble at the time on on the Gold Coast, and we were, li- we're living the dream up there. And uh, we went through the season, made the grand final, but um, unfortunately got beat by two points. So I've gone from a club who couldn't make finals to my first year at a different club to then almost winning a comp. Um, so I was like, it was almost the dream, the dream start to a new club, but unfortunately we fell short. Um, and who beat you? Season. Was did Penrith beat you? Yeah, so that was the start. That was a, that was their first so, premiership. Ivan, Ivan, Ivan used to be my babysitter when I was a little kid. His yes, wife, you his wife used to live next door to me. Actually, um, that's uh, what do you think it is about? Like I was, I, I don't know that much about rugby league, a little bit, but like, but um, what do you think it is about? What is it that makes Penrith so good? Is it because all those guys and those kids? came up through a feeder program together. So they're just like, they just can read each other and know how to make plays that they're just connected at the hip, so to speak. That's what I've, someone kind of told me. Um, what, what is it do you think about that makes them on that next level where they can win three in a row like they have? I think that helps um, them growing up together. But, but then again, look over the last four or five years, they've just, they've been so dominant. And I think it comes down to, um, you know, first and foremost, the coaching, um, they're just so fit, so strong, man, and they refuse to give up. I, I've said this openly, and they're winners. Um, they're winners, and they believe in themselves. I honestly just don't know what it is because they refuse think, to just go it, away. I think it's a, I, I personally think that when you're on a roll, you're on a roll. 
So if you keep yeah. that mentality, then you keep on a roll. But within reason, there's obviously a lot of variables to that. And I, th- I think the most impressive thing about him as, as well is, you know, there's been talk of players leaving that club and saying, you know, they've lost a lot with this and that. Um, they're going to be no good next year. But they continuously just seem to turn up for each other. And no matter who feels what role, they continue to win. And they've done that for the last three years. They've won three comps in a row, which I think is probably one of the hardest things to do in professional sport is to win three NRL competitions in a row. Yeah, that's pretty gnarly. No one's ever done that before, have they? I think they have, but way back in the day. Yeah, went, no, it wasn't nearly as competitive as it is now. Everybody now is a soup. So, so tell me, um, is 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 the is even the bench players are they making enough cash to be able to not have a normal job? Mostly, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. We have a squad of thirty, and I know for well, I know there's a squad of thirty, and the minimum wage for a top thirty is one twenty a year. So yeah, and that's and that's not nearly enough to live in Sydney comfortably, but that's all right. It's well, still, you, you divide that by two because the tax man's a rot. But um, yeah. Yeah, we don't like the tax man, but we gotta we gotta pay him. Um, so so how how did you find? Obviously, so you guys you guys fucking you almost won the whole thing. Two, two points is pretty gnarly. Um, had you have done that, they wouldn't have probably been on this run. You know what I mean? Like, had you guys have scored a try or a field goal or something fucking freaking eight that happened, then the the destiny of the universe would be way different. Maybe you got maybe you guys would have three titles. Probably not. Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. But it's interesting how the, the, the coin <laughs> the coin falls like that. Um so did so the next year did you guys come back harder and then or were you guys disheartened because of just getting so close? Uh twenty two, we, we actually ended up making the preliminary final. So the one before the grand final, we actually burst Penrith. Oh no. Um they they Fair ended, we were twelve nil up in the first half with about five to go and um, they ended up telling us up that game. We uh, so we let that one slip too, but oh, look, man, it is what it is. Hats off to them; so, they're fucking they're so the they, best. For so a they like they like they like almost like losing for a bit and then coming back and just killing people. They're well, like, you'd think that, wouldn't you? Looking at this year's grand final, I think they did that. Um, I I went and saw the grand final like two or three three years ago. I think when when it was Penrith versus Melbourne. When was yeah. that? Was that twenty two? It was, wasn't it? I think I was 21. Uh, Must have been 21. No, nah, it was 20. 2020. Was it? It was a turn 2020. Okay. Um, but yeah, I remember them like not getting their ass kicked, but I remember them coming back hard. Um, yeah, they did. They did. They must have some like grit in, in you know, like just some competitive grit between all of them because they've all grown up. So they tight. just refused yeah. to give up. I'm telling you, they refused to go away. That's, so they're just fucking in your face, in your face, in your face, in your face. Constantly. So it's just constantly. so it's almost like walking someone down in an MMA in an MMA fight. Like they just slowly just outbox the opponent and get them tired and then just fucking slaughter them. Mate, literally. That's so and I wonder if I wonder if like Ivan and his team have come up with this like like Lord of War fucking like the art of war philosophy on of just like attack, 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 attack. Literally, um, I used to have a homie that is like a, a uh, we used to do, I used to work with him. He was a, a carpenter and we used to call him Sensei. And he was a black belt in, I think, in Aikido and in Jiu Jitsu or something like that. But he used to work for 
uh, I think for the Bulldogs and he used to train the players on how to, when they tackle on how to hurt people, like with yeah. certain things. <laughs> Can't do that anymore. It's illegal. Yeah. We called him Sensei. He was a fucking legend. I probably shouldn't talk about that, but anyways, that was a long time ago. So, um, so who, who like, did you get to meet Rizzo when they, when, when Russell Crowe did that for the team? Or was that way before your time? What's he sorry? When Russell Crowe let bought Rizza and he, you know, from Wu Tang, all the guys from your team got to meet the guy from Wu Tang. No, so I met Chris Hemsworth with like Rusty brought him in. Okay. He's the and Taika Waikiki. So those those were the two big names. What that was I met. what was the Taiki Waikiki guy like? He seems like a cool dude. Yeah, he's mad. He's actually yeah, really. <laughs> he's helping really people now. He's with I think who's he with. He's married to some fucking just rig famous movie star. And like, if he wasn't a director, he wouldn't be married to her. But he's a, sla- he's a swaggy motherfucker. Like, he's funny as fuck. Like, he plays yeah, that Korg. He plays the Korg guy in the um in the Thor movies. Thor. You know, yeah, I know. Yeah, he plays a character, but it's obviously, it's just a voice. Um, yes. So, like, so obviously, so you've, you got, you got two more seasons through and then you guys made the, the quarterfinals, got killed by Penrith again. That must have been pretty yeah. disheartening. Was that, did that go, or was it just like whatever? You kind of probably were expecting it, maybe. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. It just, it's just one of those things as a player you got to put up with. You can't really, I suppose it hurts at the time, but it's something you just got to look forward and look forward to the next opportunity. And so, do you think that on their on their prime in their prime day, are they almost unbeatable? Like, uh, no, I don't think they're unbeatable. Uh, we beat them. Uh, we beat them last year. Um, midway through the year ish. Don't get me wrong; they're not unbeatable, but I don't think anyone is in the NRL. No, no, of but, course not. But you know what I mean. Like I almost like mate. they've just got that grit. That I think it's that extra ten percent that makes all the difference in everything. But they it's fucking unbelievable to have, to have that extra ten percent. Your commitment is just like it's so gnarly. It's just even in more next level. You know what I mean? And so do you. And then how'd you guys go this season? No, nah, no good. Didn't make finals, actually. But you guys started out pretty good, didn't you? Yeah. Halfway through the year, we are um, at number one. Um, we are first. And then, I don't know, don't really like making excuses, but I suppose we got hit pretty bad with injury and, um, you know, things like that, which, which didn't help. And towards the back end of the year, we were so that- trying to play catch-up. So that that makes a huge um, impact on a te- on a team, doesn't it? Like for the for for the like when you've got to step someone out and then put someone else in. Yeah, it can do, especially when you chop and change and continuously, and then someone comes back and then someone gets injured and then you chop it and change it all the time. It just, I think, mentally um, we didn't handle it that well. We were sort of trying to play catch up towards the end of the year, and it just didn't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where it went wrong. It's hard to pinpoint an exact thing on where where it went wrong this year. And so, what's next? Obviously, you've had your downtime. You're training again. Um, are you pretty pumped for this for this season to come and kick your ass again into gear? Yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. Keen as a. I'm just keen to finally, um, eventually. Sorry, next year get back to playing week in and week out. I had a pretty bad run through. With injury this year, I think I only end up playing fourteen games this year. So, um, oh yeah, you got you did got injured. What what was it that happened? I remember that actually. Hammy in my ankle. 
Okay. What was the so hammy I had like? Surgery. Did that uh, hammy was all? No, nah, it wasn't that bad. It, it, the hammy wasn't that bad. It was more when I got surgery on my ankle. That was a fucking nightmare, especially because I was living by myself at the time. I had two dogs. I'd had to had to literally hop outside, grab their dog bowls with one leg, hop back in. Mate, it was a, it was quite a frustrating time for me, but I'm good now. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. I've had a few injuries where I'm staring at the roof for fucking for like four months. It's not really good very feeling. fun. Good That's horrible. Like... That's horrible. <laughs> I remember when I first blew my knee out. I was fucking. I was re- I was having sex with a girl and she was on top. And I pulled my hammy, but I thought that she hit my knee and I fucking screamed so loud. It felt like someone put a fucking sledgehammer through my knee. It was so painful. And she thought she killed me. I I just pulled the hammy because they'd just taken the graft from the back of the hamstring for the the operation on my left knee. So what did you do? Stop or? Yeah, I did stop actually. It was too much pain. Unfortunately, it was like one of the only times (laughs) I stopped. It was pretty gnarly actually. Um, yeah, I've been through, I've been in that position a lot of times, but, um, so what, so what are you guys like expecting for this season? Like, how do you guys start? Obviously now it's just like minor warm ups, you know, like, and you get, go home, do the Christmas thing and then kind of start grinding it out for the next few months, getting ready for the next season. Um, is there like a, a continual, like, um, like, do you guys have a pretty, um, regimented training regime? Like we, or, or do you guys have like a program where you try different kinds of things like yoga and Pilates and, um, you know, different, um, you know, basketball or different, different movement sets that the coaches get you to do. There is pretty set in stone schedule that we have, but, uh, for me at the moment, I've been doing a lot of Pilates. Um, it's been good for my back, um, things like that, but yeah, it's a pretty, at, at this time of year, it's more about getting fit, uh, strong, um, things like that. So we have a sort of a set schedule that we follow Monday to Friday. If we don't train Wednesday, we have to train Saturday. So we're training tomorrow, which uh, can be a bit of a shit go, but um, it is what it is. It's our job. It's what we do. So I don't mind that part of it. Well, but yeah, it's, it's better more, having, more it's a better than routine. being a garbo or something yeah, like that. Well, it, could, it could be yeah. worse. It could be worse. Really. Yeah, yeah. I'll well, tell you that much. Think back to digging the holes. That's I could be you, digging holes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking no, that's fucked in a big pile of shit. But you'd 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 be making pretty good money, but still, it's shit. Like you couldn't pay me that much money to do that. Um, so shit. So, what's your team like at the moment? Are you like, are you hopeful that you guys can, you know, have you got a? Do you think you've potentially got a fighting chance to to win the comp? Obviously, you guys were leading last year. You've had some team changes. Some couple of friends of ours left, um, and uh, and now you guys have got a kind of like a a little bit of a different unit. Um, what are your expectations for this season? Coming I, I up wouldn't say. Year? My expectations is for us to be up there somewhere. Um, yeah. I, I have that every year leading into a into a season. I, I trust the people around me and I trust that. Well, you guys no have matter, it because you guys were leading the comp for fucking half the year last year. Like it's yeah, there. Exactly right. It's just exactly discovering right. that magic and then being able to replicate that every single or as much as possible time think, in time out i think we'll learn a lot more from last year than we would say other years i think last year would have put a you know it puts a, a monkey on our back to prove ourselves and and make sure we're doing all the right things and to make sure that we're there at the back end of the year it's a long year and i think 
that experience from last year will will only be good for us um, going into next year. So um, you should try out yeah. some of those that Dexter. I think it's called Dexter training. It's like where they they you touch the different like the different movements. Like you throw you're like on a ball and then you throw the the tennis ball back and forth and you do like all sorts of different. A lot of the F F one guys are doing it now, like touching different like reactionary things and like different stuff with your alternate hand and like you build up your balance points and you're, you're like quicker, your muscle twitch fibers go, you know, develop faster and your reaction time gets better. And like, I'll I'll send you some stuff on it. It's, it's pretty amazing stuff. There's a guy on the gold coast that Harry Bink and that Alex, what's his name? He um, follows me on it. Alex Williamson. No, no, Alex Williamson. What's his name? Alex Hayes, the little surfer guy that looks like he's like 12. He's a really lovely guy, actually. Super cool. Um, been meaning to do a yeah. podcast. But he, he goes to this I think place. I've been, I've been on the piss with him, eh? Yeah, yeah, he's cool. He looks like he's 12, though. He's he's super nice guy, and he's really gnarly. He's a, he's a good surfer. He does double backflips on skis, and he's like, yeah. well, and now he foils. So he's a ballsy motherfucker. He does a lot of sick cliff jumping, and yeah, I I actually sat next to him on a plane um about six months ago and he was weird. Yeah, he's a nice guy, he's a cool dude. But he's um yeah. he does this, he goes to this Brazilian training place on the Gold Coast, and so does Harry Bink. He's that he's that FMX guy that did the triple flip. I don't know if you've ever met him. He lives on the Goldie. Um he's like a he, nightclub nah, circus but... dude. Um yeah. but like I'll I'll send it to you. This is like core stability and like and some of that training that I was the dextile improvement stuff, like it it's fucking so effective and then also i reckon is the um getting in the state of flow because i yeah i think that's what i think that ivan's probably i don't know potentially who knows but um they've figured out how to get into a state of flow as a team that's like it's you know what i mean like it's like uh it's it's quite amazing to watch sometimes they're fucking grateful they do um agreed but and so how 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 many how, how as like I, I'm I'm just curious because you obviously you play team sports and I didn't do that as a child a little a, a little bit I played rugby league a little bit but not very much um when when you play with different teams as you come up through your career like for the Broncos the Gold Coast how did was it when you first come as the rookie and you're like trying to come into the fold was there much like hazing going on between like like grommet abuse, like when in surfing? Oh, uh, yes and no. I suppose when you're a young kid and you're coming through, the older boys do get stuck in you a little bit. But like um, nothing. But just, but it's just like banter shit normally, isn't it? Yeah, banter shit. Nowhere, nowhere near where it's like now. Where, mate, I reckon I used to walk into the locker room, just sit down in my locker and speak unless spoken to. Um, don't <laughs> speak unless spoken to kind of thing. Sorry. So... Um, these days, young kids, as I said, they're very entitled. Um, they get what they're given all the time. But I guess I was just, I come into that era where, um, you know, it was sort of still old school, I guess you could call it in a way. But I, I loved it there. Like, you know, I still talk to some boys at that club, in both clubs now. And um, yeah, it, it's pretty funny thinking about it now. And so um, I'm only going to ask a couple more questions. And so you, you go on forth, you've, you've almost tasted that victory and you've, you've had a couple of teammates that they did win a ring, didn't they? A couple of years before you, you signed on, didn't they? 
the no. Rabbitohs? Or have they ever won? No. 2014, it was the last time. Okay. So who played? Who played? Did George play all the way back then? Yeah, George was, yeah, part of that. Okay, that's why we talked about it. Okay. So that was, yes. Yeah. When did he retire? Like two 20, seasons ago. 2020. Okay. So, oh, did, you actually, so did you, did you play a season with him? Uh, so 2020, I'm pretty sure he went to England. 2020, he went to England. And then he came back and he was at the Dragons. So, uh, yeah. So what do you what do you think of the current state of the NRL? Like with with team support and like you know like state of oh actually that's the other thing that I forgot to talk about um, state of origin. Now this is probably what is would most would consider the, the the highlight of your career so far, right? Other than getting to the, the finals, um, when you when you first got picked, yeah, um, were your parents like pretty stoked that that you were that like you could you could turn around and a guy told you so kind of thing were they stoked for you that you that, that you'd done your dream yeah it's not that I probably would have said I told you so it was more um the the feeling that I'd actually been picked for something I grew up my mum didn't believe me at all when I told her my old man was always shocked but I guess it was a proud moment for them as well to see me live out my dream. And, um, but yeah, bro, I remember calling my mum and she's like, bullshit, stop lying to me, kind of thing. So when everyone was dead. That's, that's really cool, man. Play in Melbourne. And, um, so you've got, you've, you've played um, State of Origin for four years now, is it, or three? I played 13 games. So that'd be four years. That, yeah, four years. And um, so is is that being around a different um element of a different team under a different coaching system for a temporary part of the year, right? Um, yep. Is that good for for your psyche as a player? Yeah, I think so. I think going into a camp like that with the caliber of players, it's you know I probably consider it the best of the best playing against each other. You, um, I suppose you grow in confidence when you come out of it. You try and bring that confidence back to your club side and it's something that um, you're always grateful to be able to go into one of those camps and learn from different players, um, different coaches and and take the things that you think are positive and things that could work and bring them back to your club side. And um, every time so, I go into one of those camps, I do. So when you start, when obviously when we were talking about before about levelling up, um, that's pretty much the highest caliber of players in the world, right? Um, when you got onto a team of like, everybody's a freak. Like obviously everyone in the NRL is a freak. Mm-hmm. You find a rabbit or something. <laughs> so everybody's, everyone's a freak, right? Me, dog. Yeah. Everyone's a freak on, on a normal NRL team, but this is like the freaks of the freaks. Like this is, everybody is a known name in, in, in the, the larger than life Australian public, right? Now, Tell me, when you first started playing at that level, was there a significant increase in the speed of the play and just how the game went down as opposed to like a high-level NRL match? Everything. The physicality, the speed, the um, the intensity, just everything. The crowd, mate, it just, it, it's a huge step up. And um, 
it's genuine like when you're out there it's genuinely like everyone's there to honestly take your head off and eat you with everything um and then i think it's played on a lot of emotion at the start um you run out with your teammates you you stand hand in hand you sing the national anthem you can see your family things like that um and the emotions are high and and, and whatnot but then it just it's like it doesn't drop off and i think statistics say it's so so high above say a normal nrl game so it, it, it is everything you expect and everything so do you, do that, you think um, that if you played at that level all the time that you get way better at footy oh well, not way better but that. do you think you'd get better because obviously everyone lifts the performance level like does that because i think a lot of nba players when they're on a super team like they don't play to their highest caliber of play because they're not forced to perform at that level yeah, they so that's a, that's a pretty good assumption. Eh? I'd probably say, I guess, yes, but I reckon it'll take some years off my career. Yeah, because it's do. just fucking gnarly for your yeah. body, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, so you, you like, um, you did, you did that the first, did you win the, you won the series the first year too, didn't you? No, nah, 2020 was the first time. Okay. So you won three times. Is that correct? In a row? Uh, 20. No, 20, 22, 23. Well, this year was kind of different. So I played game one, but... And you got hurt in game I, one, didn't you? Uh, so the, the game I backed up for South, I got injured and missed the rest of the Origin Series. So um, I guess you could say I was a part of it, but um, it was a bit different to say the 2020 um, Series. So was that pretty awesome to be able to hold a shield that where you'd won something of the highest level and oh, significance? Fuck. It's the best feeling I've had in my career was the first time I got to hold that shield and uh, be able to win an Origin Series. I'll never forget it. And there was no other feeling like it. The only, I think the only better feeling that I'd say I would ever get in my life if I was to win a a grand final or or have a kid say, because everyone obviously says that's the best moment in their life. You don't know until you try. So who knows? I haven't tried yet. Yeah, yeah, neither. I won't be doing that anytime soon. So, I so do you guys? Do you think that you guys could win a title? Is that is that is that in your capability? Like, yeah, absolutely. I think it is. I have the utmost faith and um, conf- confidence in this side to be able to be there at the crunch end of the year um, next year and do well. Okay, so um, so so going through state of origin, um, did you have you gotten a call up to play for Australia yet? Is that like the ultimate or like the two last? Ticks to box, boxes to tick is really is a grand final win and then a win for Australia at a World Cup or something. That'd like round out perfect. Oh, I could, I'd die a happy man. I'll tell you that much if that was to happen. But um, that's pretty competitive. Yeah, your, exactly. Your position's pretty. Who is the who's the starter for Australia for your position? Oh, there's few. Obviously, I play anywhere in the forwards, so there's obviously a fair few boys. Yeah, um, that are there at the moment and doing a great job for them. So um, it's not something that you know I've say would be sh- um, shitty about or anything like that. Um, it's more you know uh, I think the, the main goal for me is to win a comp, and that's solely solely on my mind at the moment. Awesome, man. Well, um, I, I wish you fucking well in twenty twenty four, and um, thanks for your time, Jai. It was really interesting. Um, before we go, um, 
if you, I just wanted to ask you one more question. If you could tell your younger 16 year old self one thing, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a, that's a cool one, Willie. I, I think just to enjoy the ride as it comes, I think um, it's such a long process um, that you're not, know, you're not knowing what to expect, just to enjoy every moment, um, everything that comes with it, the sacrifices, the ups, the downs, um, and just ride that roller coaster, I guess. Awesome, man. Thanks very much, Jai. And um, I look forward, we'll catch up for, for a non-alcoholic beverage uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, if you want to learn how to surf, man, hit me up. I'll teach you, no problem. Yeah. Keen as, bro. Looking forward. Can't I wait. Want, I want to get, I'd love, it'd be funny to take you, George and Liam. It'd be fucking, that'd be the funniest YouTube episode. Oh. <laughs> Imagine teaching, trying to teach George how to surf. That, I reckon he mate. can do it too. You just need to be taught how to do it properly. He obviously... You you're very fit. You know how to do it. It's not that hard. It's just it's just learning balance points. It's probably really really good for you, actually. Those those two are large humans too. I'd love to see them on a surfboard. <laughs> they might shred though. Like they might pick it up and like it. Anyways, it's time, bro. I'll publish this and I'll send it to you. And I'll I'll send Sweet it to you before I publish it. All right. Legend, Sweet, bro. Thanks for your time, dude. I appreciate you. it. See you later. Thank you. Later. Hello, awesome listeners. Another year is almost done, and we here at the Village World Podcast have decided to step things up for 2024. You will now get a new episode fortnightly. It will drop at 10 a.m. on Wednesdays, Eastern Standard Time in Australia, and whatever time you are anywhere else in the world. But we need your help to make this upcoming year even more extraordinary than 2023. Here's the mission. Let's spread the word and make our podcast family even bigger and better. Share, like, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other platform you fancy. Every share and like counts, and we really appreciate it. Because the more people that listen, the bigger the podcast gets, and the bigger the guests I can get on here to entertain and amuse you. Share the podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. And if you're stoked on it, give it a share on Instagram or on Facebook or any of your social media platforms. And if you want some free stickers, just send me a DM on Instagram and I will send you out a little package. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. By subscribing, you'll never miss an episode and will continue to be part of the Willie's World family. A huge shout out to all of my listeners, all my family and friends. This is going to be a big, big 24. Willie's world to the world. Thanks very much and catch you on the flip side.